It's Wednesday, February the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Putin says West has ignored his concerns and a failed coup in Guinea-Bissau. First, the world in brief. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, said Western countries had, quote, ignored his security demands in the crisis over Ukraine. America was motivated by the desire, quote, to contain Russia's development, Mr. Putin said, rather than out of real concern for Ukraine's security. It was his first public statement about the rising tensions since December. Also on Tuesday, Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, travelled to Ukraine, where he vowed to find a diplomatic solution to the mounting crisis. Britain's government launched a long-awaited plan to, quote, level up neglected parts of the country. The strategy, which was at the heart of the ruling Conservative Party's election campaign in 2019, seeks to reduce regional inequality by upgrading infrastructure and redistributing power. It will take until 2030 to complete and involve all government departments. The opposition said the plan lacked money and fresh thinking. Alphabet, Google's parent company, reported revenues of $75.3 billion in the fourth quarter of 2021, up by 32% year-on-year. Net income was $20.6 billion. Last year, the firm booked its fourth-largest annual profit since going public, amid a pandemic boom in digital advertising. Alphabet also announced a share split. Pending their approval, shareholders will receive 19 additional devalued shares for each one they held. Guinea-Bissau's president said the situation was under control, but that many of his security forces were dead after a reported coup attempt on Tuesday. He described the event as a, quote, failed attack against democracy and suggested it may have been linked to the illegal drugs trade. Since winning independence in 1974, Guinea-Bissau has experienced four military takeovers. Johnson & Johnson, a drug maker, and three drug distributors agreed to pay $590 million to Native American tribes in a tentative settlement to resolve litigation related to the opioid epidemic. If the deal is approved by the tribes, all 574 federally recognised tribes will be eligible to receive funds. J&J did not admit wrongdoing as part of the settlement. Native Americans have suffered a disproportionately high number of opioid overdose deaths. America's oil supermajors did well in 2021, with ExxonMobil reporting profits of $23 billion for the year and Chevron raking in $15.6 billion, their highest profits in seven years. That marked a dramatic turnaround from 2020, when the price of future contracts for the West Texas Intermediate, the American oil benchmark, turned negative for the first time, causing billions in losses. Tonga went into lockdown after two new cases of COVID-19 were reported in the country. The tiny Pacific nation had previously been COVID-free. But on January 15th, the eruption of an underwater volcano caused a tsunami. At least three people died and many buildings were destroyed. International assistance was complicated by COVID outbreaks among aid workers travelling to Tonga. And figure of the day. 
80%, the share of America's coroners that ran unopposed in the latest electoral cycle. And now here's today's agenda. Deterring Russia's invasion of Ukraine The West's main weapons if Russia were to invade Ukraine would be economic. America and Britain have all but ruled out military engagement but vowed sanctions on an unprecedented scale. America's Senate is expected to approve a package aimed at elite figures and companies in or around the inner circle of Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, as well as the relatives they often use as asset-owning proxies. Britain's government has also announced new sanctions legislation. Britain's stance is being watched closely because rich Russians have strong financial and social ties to the country, from owning mansions to football clubs. America may push to exclude all Russian lenders from SWIFT, a global payments network, and try to halt the opening of Nord Stream 2, a pipeline that would send Russian gas to Europe. That makes some European allies queasy. Many get much of their imported gas from Russia, or have strong commercial and banking ties to it. In Germany's case, both are true. France's future in the Sahel Mali's relationship with France has hit a new low. France has 4,800 soldiers fighting jihadists in Mali and the wider Sahel at the invitation of the African country's government. Yet on Monday, Mali's junta, which overthrew the elected government in August 2020, kicked out the French ambassador. The week before, Jean-Yves Le Drian, the French foreign minister, called the junta, quote, illegitimate and, quote, irresponsible, after it forced Denmark to withdraw 105 recently arrived commandos who were supporting French operations. Tensions have long been rising. The junta promised to hold elections in February, but has postponed them until 2025. After France announced plans last year to withdraw more than 2,000 troops from the region, Mali brought in Russian mercenaries, further angering Western allies. France and its allies say that by mid-February they will have a new plan to adapt their forces. Some will not wait. On Tuesday, Norway cancelled a planned deployment. It will probably not be the last to do so. Turkey and Armenia grow closer Flights between Yerevan, Armenia's capital, and Istanbul, Turkey's biggest city, resume on Wednesday after a hiatus of two years. Rapprochement between the estranged neighbours is in the air. Envoys from the two countries, which have never established diplomatic relations, began to draw a path towards normalisation in Moscow last month. Armenia's foreign minister is expected to visit Turkey in March. An embargo on Turkish products has been lifted. The thaw began after Azerbaijan, backed by Turkey, recaptured parts of Nagorno-Karabakh, an ethnic Armenian enclave, and seven neighbouring provinces occupied by Armenian forces since the 1990s. The festering dispute over the region had obstructed previous attempts at reconciliation between Turkey and Armenia. With much of the region back in Azerbaijan's hands, one obstacle is gone, at least as far as Turkey is concerned. Another 
the legacy of the Armenian genocide by Ottoman forces in 1915-1917, which Turkey denies, will be harder to overcome. Spotify Faces the Music The world's biggest audio streamer releases its quarterly results on Wednesday amid a row over the Joe Rogan Experience, its most popular podcast. The talk show, acquired by Spotify in 2020 for a reported $100 million, gave airtime to anti-vaccination cranks. Neil Young and a handful of other famous singers withdrew their music in protest. Mr. Rogan himself has apologised, but remains in post. Spotify hopes that will be the end of it. It won't. Spotify and its rivals, Apple and Amazon, upload tens of thousands of new podcasts and songs every day, the majority by amateurs. Their content thus increasingly resembles that of social platforms, such as YouTube. But whereas the main social networks have long wrestled with the dilemmas of content moderation, the audio streamers seem behind. Spotify, a 16-year-old company, published its, quote, platform rules only on Sunday. It's not just Joe. Audio platforms need to monitor the millions of amateur mini-rogans too. James Joyce's Ulysses at 100 Yes, because a hundred years ago, Sylvia Beach displayed in her Paris bookshop the first copy of a new novel she was publishing. Yes, she was publishing Ulysses which is now recognised as one of the 20th century's greatest works of art. And yes, signed first edition copies can fetch hundreds of thousands of dollars in auction. It was written by Irishman James Joyce, with its peculiar use of punctuation, and yes, its stream of consciousness. James marked that occasion on the 2nd of February 1922, with a muted celebration, and laid out what was then the only other copy with its white letters on a blue background, a nod to the colours of the Greek flag and thus to the novel's chief inspiration, Homer's Odyssey. And yes, for Beach, it was a risk of course, supporting this experimental novel, which was looked at unkindly by some like playwright George Bernard Shaw, who said it was revolting, and that if you imagine that any Irishman would pay 150 francs for a book, you little know my countrymen. Winter Quiz, Week 8 The battle with Arboristas enters its final week. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Wednesday. Which Argentine footballer scored in five consecutive European Cup finals between 1956 and 1960? Finally, here's the quote of the day from James Joyce, who was born on this day in 1882. The supreme question about a work of art is out of how deep a life does it spring. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, 
including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.